0: This morning, I'm I'm going to hold the title until the somewhere in the middle or the end or somewhere. I don't want to give it away because I want to set the stage. I'm going to give you a parable today, and it's found in Matthew chapter 20. And I've decided I, I don't want to read this parable out of Scripture to you because that's not how Jesus would have done it. <laughs> he did not read the parables. He told them a story. And so, if you'll permit me, I'd love to tell you this story, and I want you to insert yourself into the story. So, now you are going to be one of the primary characters in this parable that I'm telling today. All right, so you've got to put yourself in that place, okay? Now, here's the story you are a day laborer. Every day you get up, you're not sure if you've got work or not. And you're going to go out into the city square, and you're going to stand there, and you're going to wait. And uh, some of the owners of the nearby vineyards, they're going to come, and they're going to select some people to go and work in the vineyard. And so you got a family. you got you got kids to feed. You need to put bread on the table. So you get up early in the morning, and you get that cup of coffee. Okay, maybe that's not in the story, but... <laughs> I'll insert a few of those along the way. You'll know when I'm doing it, okay? You get up early. You get that cup of coffee. You're trying to get your eyes open. You're like, I don't want to go to work today. But i got to go because i got to find work. And you go down and you get in that square and you wait. And the owner of this vineyard, he comes and he's looking around and he selects those people that are there that early in the morning. And he says, I need you to come and work. I've got a vineyard it and it needs tending to, and I need workers and you need work. Can we agree upon a denarius for pay today? A denarius was an adequate day's pay. It means it wasn't uh, minimum wage, but you weren't going to get rich off of it either. Amen. All right, it's somewhere in the middle. It's, it's adequate, it's, a, it's enough. You can take care of your family based on what he said he's going to pay. And so, yeah, shake hands and you get in an old beat-up Ford pickup truck. I did it again, didn't I? And you sit in that old Ford pickup truck, and they drives, he drives you off to the vineyard, and you start working. Oh, it's going to be hot today. But you need to feed your family, so you don't care how hot it is. You're going to go work. You get off the truck, and you start working. What does the owner do? He goes right back to the square, and, and now it's 9 o'clock. And some people in the square and they need work, too. And he gets the folks at nine o'clock and he says, I need workers and you need work. Come and work for me and I'll give you what's right. Oh, he doesn't say how much he's going to pay. He says, trust me. Trust me that if you come work for me, I'll give you what's right. Those folks are like, we got to feed our families." You know, he may get us. But I got to trust him because my family needs to eat. So I'm going to go work. Trust that he's right. So they get in the old beat up pickup truck and they head on down to the vineyard and they start working. What does the owner do? He turns right back around and he goes at 12 o'clock and he picks up some more. And he says, why are y'all standing around? Which means why are y'all without work? And they're like, we, we need work. Come on, get in the truck. I'll pay you what's right. Drives him to the vineyard. Three o'clock, he's back at the city square picking up another load. I'll do what's right. Get in the truck. Let's go. Drives back to the vineyard. Till five o'clock, that's an hour before quitting time. But an hour before the end of the day, at five o'clock, he goes back. There's some people sitting, standing in the square. They have yet to find work that day. And he says, come on, get in. Let's go. You work. And they work. And now it's, six o'clock it's time to pay and so what the owner of this vineyard does is he tells his foreman he says get the bag of money it's time to pay but i need you to do this do this and he whispers in his ear and he says oh and by the way i want you to pay the last ones first the ones that i picked up at five o'clock i need you to pay them first now remember y'all are all the ones that were there bright and early before the sun came up you remember who you are Okay, you were there bright and early before the sun came up. The owner has promised you he's going to pay you an adequate day's pay. It's one denarius. And so now the foreman goes to the last group, the group that's at five, and he starts handing out a denarius to each one of them. The exact same thing he said he was going to pay you. But now wait a minute. Is anybody with me here? (laughs) Huh? Yeah. He's paying them what he promised he was going to pay you. Huh. And and so then he, he gets the ones at three. And he pays them a denarius too. And then he gets the ones at at twelve. And he pays a denarius to them. Now, some of you out there. I can't tell what your emotions are right now. I think you're still trying to figure them out, aren't you? You're like, I'm not sure I know how to feel. Maybe you're feeling, well, man, if he's paying all them, a denarius, maybe he's going to pay us more. I mean, because after all, we were there at dark 30. Right? We were first ones on the truck. Maybe, maybe he's going to pay us more. Foreman comes by. All of you are my dust. Early sunrise people, and he starts handing every one of you a denarius. Just like everybody else. Now, what I want to know is how you feel about that. Does it do something to you? Do you feel like you got gypped? Yeah, now, I don't need any of y'all religious bags that are sitting there saying, well, God is good. (laughs) We got to get real. OK, is there anybody in the room that is looking at that as a worker who got up at dark 30 and said, oh, that ain't fair. Huh? Is there anybody for the longest time I would read this, this is the first time I've ever preached this parable. You know why? Because when I read it, I looked at it and I said, that ain't fair. I'm not even a worker, but that's not fair. And I would skip over it. I'm like, I don't know what to do with it. Because it's not fair. And what Jesus was doing by telling the story is this. He wants that gut reaction that you had. He's actually trying to draw it out of you. And so he's looking for that person who said, Hey, excuse me. <laughs> hey, I was here. I, been wor- I did the right thing. And I feel like I'm getting gypped. And that's exactly what they did. The workers went back to the owner and they said, that ain't fair. It's not right. And the owner looks at them and he says in verse 13 of verse 20, he says, I did you no know wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what's yours and go. But I wish to give to this last man the same as you. Is it not lawful for me to do as I wish Well, what is my own? Was it his right? Yes. Did you not agree? Yes. But you look and you go, but it ain't fair. He's not fair. And he says, or is your eye envious? Because I am generous. And then he presents this truth. So the last shall be first and the first will be last. Mm. Man, there are times when we look at things in life, our culture pays a lot of emphasis on being fair. We, I think, more than any other culture, have a fairness meter on us. And we can sniff it out when we feel like someone is not treating us or our own fairly. Have any of you ever run to the teacher? We got some teachers. I bet y'all are going to say amen. Anybody? some of our teachers, anybody ever come to you and the thing that that parent wanted to discuss with you is something wasn't fair. You wasn't being fair to my child. We got to have a conference. You know? Oh, we got some coaches in the room. Oh, I bet y'all ain't ever heard any coach that's ever got a child that's played ball. It don't matter if he was Don Mattingly on baseball. They're going to say, only reason that child's playing because his dad the coach. <laughs> it's not what? Fair. Fair. Knowing our little kid ain't ever been good, ain't ever going to be good. (laughs) The coach's son's twice as good as our kid, but it ain't fair. Hmm. We get in the workplace, and we find out that somebody's been making a little bit more money than us, and I'd be doggone if we don't work harder than them. It ain't. fair. So we quit. (laughs) I ain't got to work here. I ain't got to put up with this. It ain't fair. And at some point, we forget that our mama or our grandma told us when we were little. They said, son, life's not fair. Life's not fair. <laughs> but we look at God and we're thinking, surely if there's any place you can find fairness, you can find it in God. And then we look at God sometimes. And I'm going to go on and say it because you're scared you're going to get struck by lightning. But I know I'm speaking for you, not for myself. I would never say this. (laughs) But we look at what's going on, and we not only say, it's not fair. We say, God, you're not fair. God, you're not fair. And you see, the problem is, we can't ever define what fairness is. Because fairness is subjective. What's fair to you is not fair to me, not fair to somebody else. What is fair? But we will point our finger at God and say, God, you aren't being fair. Can I tell you something? That when we enter into that place where we have evaluated the situation, what we've done is we have put ourselves at the center of the universe. We have set ourselves on the judgment seat of Christ. Christ. And we have measured things according to what seems right to us. Oh. And we've started to grumble. In fact, you'll see it over in verse eleven. It says, When they received it, they grumbled at the landowner. Any of you ever grumbled in your prayers to God? Can we get a little can we get a little personal for just a moment? Have any of you ever grumbled at God for some stuff that was going on? You know, you just start complaining a little bit. Start fussing a little bit. And it's interesting about that word grumble. It's the same grumble of the people of Israel in the days of Moses. Now, if any of you know that story, you're like, oh, oh, I got to get my act together. Because it is when the people of Israel began to grumble They said, it was better when we were back there eating cucumbers and onions. When they began to grumble and they said, we don't have any food. When they began to grumble and they said, we don't have anything to drink. God began to give them manna and God began to give them quail. And after a while they began to grumble because they said, we've been having manna and quail every day. We're tired of it. And they began to grumble. Can I tell you that when you grumble, you have taken God, you have tried to remove him off the throne, set yourself on the seat of judgment, and now what you have done is you have given place to the devourer. You'll find it throughout Scripture. Can I just warn you? A grumbling people is a people, the real danger is it, it's more dangerous than lying. Not that I'm saying that you should lie, but it's, it's more dangerous. dangerous. Because what you've done is you've placed yourself in the position of God. And now you give place to the devourer. So I want to know if there's anybody in the room that feels like they've had some stuff devoured. If they feel like they've had some stuff destroyed. And I want to ask you, have you been grumbling? And if you've been grumbling, I'm going to give you an opportunity. You can do it right now, as a matter of fact, to say, Lord, forgive me, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I think we shouldn't stop. We shouldn't wait for me to have an invitation at the end because I might forget. I, I think we just need to stop right there and say, God, I'm I'm sorry for my grumbling. I'm I'm sorry that I've looked at you and said that you weren't fair because I didn't know what I was talking about, <laughs> and and I was being selfish. And so, God, I want to ask you if you'll just forgive me, forgive me for my grumbling. And I believe that what you'll find is when you repent of that grumbling that now you have taken the authority of the destroyer and the devourer and now he can't touch you what you have to replace it with is Thanksgiving. We're coming up on that season amen. yeah it's a good time to have these messages because we're coming up on a season that says if you want the devourer and the destroyer to leave you alone, stop grumbling and start praising. That was better than the amen I got. That was now you need to switch characters. Can you change characters now? Okay? Anybody still want to be that group anyway? <laughs> nah, I won't be that group anyway. So let's change characters. Then we can. It's a story. We can put ourselves wherever we want. Let's be that group that showed up at the last hour. And the question that is asked when the owner comes back is he says, why are you standing idle in the market? Now there's probably still some of you, you haven't been able to switch gears yet you're still working on fairness because that's still very important to you and you're like i bet there's some reason why they couldn't get up and go to work i bet you they were out drinking last night (laughs) i bet they were drinking and they couldn't get up and it's their own doggone fault that they got left and couldn't get there at five o'clock i bet there's some of you that says They've been lazy forever, don't want to work. And so they just got up whenever they wanted to and and went on to work and, and did what they were going to do. But actually, that word there, that phrase, is not why are you standing idle? It is why are you without work? And so what he asked them is why are you still here? What has kept you from me? Ooh, listen. He's saying, what has kept us from each other? I need workers. And you need work. Why? Why have we been kept from each other? Is there anything... Now we're over there in that person, right? Is there anybody in the room and you've been kept from God for some reason? You've been kept from Him. Maybe you thought, well, because I did drink last night. I've had people say, I wanted to go to church, but I couldn't because I was drunk. I will say, if you get up on Sunday morning and drunk, you need to be here. I want you here. You can sit with me. Okay? If you are, for whatever reason, you didn't want to work that day, I need you here. I need you. What has kept us from each other? The the harlot. You say, well, the reason they can't work is because they were all messing around. Didn't have time for anything. Do you know that Jesus calls the harlot? Huh? Do do you know that he never stopped? He was always calling. He was calling the tax collectors. He was calling the sinners. He was calling the harlots. He was calling the people who were sitting around. They were anxious and they were worried about how to pay their bills. Anybody ever been that way? Huh? Everybody else was working, but you couldn't find work. And so what would you do that day? You spent the whole day worrying. You spent the whole day anxious because you knew your kids were hungry, but you didn't know how you were going to pay for them today. And so the owner, he comes to you and he says, what's been keeping us from each other? And he doesn't even let them answer the question. Do you see that? Amen. He he do, They don't even get to answer the question. It's almost like he says, I don't really care what kept you from me. We're together now. I don't, I don't care what... Used to separate us. All I care about is we're together now. If any of you thought you couldn't come to God, I'll tell you, He's been going out every hour on the hour Amen. looking for you. Amen. He's been waiting for you to show up in a place where He could put you in his old beat up Ford pickup truck and take you to the vineyard. And so, what has kept you from Him? You might have been worried. You might have been anxious. And He says to that worker, He says, Whatever is right, I will pay you. When you come to Jesus, most of us come as that one who he says, you're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to trust that if you will come to me, I'll do what's right. If there's anybody in the room today that you have not come to Christ because you've been too afraid, I'll tell you that the owner, God the Father, is saying to you, come into my vineyard and work and trust me, I'll do right by you. Anybody here say God's done right by you? Yeah, he says, come, come and trust me. And so they they came into to that vineyard even at the last minute. And when he pays, that is the part at which everybody's heart should get torn. That's the heart. No matter if you are character one or character two, This thing penetrates you when God begins to pay. When he's paying everybody the same. Because you look, if you're the first person, you realize, wait a minute. He's not fair. And what God says is, child, you don't want me to be fair. Hmm. Child, you, you don't want me to be fair. I'm, I'm offending you because I need you to come off this idea that you want me to be fair. Child, you don't want me to be fair. You want me to be good. And what I'm doing is I'm demonstrating my goodness. And it's so good, it's so above your good of what you think good is, that it offended you. Have you ever been offended by the goodness of God? That, that his goodness was on such a higher level that when you saw it, the only thing you could think about was, it ain't fair. He said, child, you don't want fair. Would you look at somebody and say, you don't want fair? No. What, what you want is good. You got to come off fair so you can get to good. He offends that first group. He also does something to that second group because for whatever reason they got there, they're there, they know they didn't deserve a day's pay. They know it when he got paid. When when he put that day's wage in their hand, they knew they didn't work but an hour. They knew they weren't out there in the hot sun and he gives it to them and they go, wow, what kind of person is this? Who... Who is this person who who would give me this much that that I don't deserve? Which takes us to why this story is told anyway. In Matthew chapter 20, if y'all have been there, I want you to turn to verse number one. Look at what it says. For the kingdom of heaven is like. You know why Jesus told this story? Because he needs you to understand how the kingdom operates. But beyond that, you can learn how the kingdom operates but never get the king's heart. Mm. Mm. You, you, you thought I was somewhere in between. You didn't catch that, did you? I'm going to say it one more time. You can understand how the kingdom works and yet not have the king's heart. He tells this story so you'll know the heart of the king. So you'll know the heart of the father. And the heart of the father is this. God is not fair God is compassionate. Compassion and fair are two different things. God says, don't look for me to be fair. Look for me to be compassionate. And that's why these first workers or these last workers get paid the same amount of money. God is not fair. He's good. He's generous. He's better than fair. God says, I need you to see that I'm a God of inclusion. Hmm. How many times has the church in its idea of trying to be holy excluded so many people from the gospel? Hmm? You get it. You're nodding. You understand what I'm talking about, don't you? How many times has the church obsessed over its holiness and over its justice that it kept people from God? How many people are we keeping from God because we want them to get what's fair? Can I remind you? You don't want what's fair. I I surrendered my desire to want fair anymore. I'm like, God, I just want good. You're good. I want you and I want goodness. How many people have we kept out of the church? They don't even think they're welcome here because we've excluded them. God is not a God of exclusion. God is a God of inclusion. It's like family. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all, some of y'all go and do all the work, make all the money, come home, do all the food even have to do most of the dishes, and then you got some kids, and they didn't do much of anything, and you didn't look at any of them and say, you know what, we're being fair today. I have done all of the work. I will get all of the food. (laughs) That'll show you. (laughs) Does any parent do that? Huh? Huh? No, you did all the work. You went and bought the food. You work for it. You put it on the table. And then you ask them, can you help clean up? And they go, I can't believe you asked me that. You know? And what do we do as parents? You know? After a while, you get older. And you can't do as much. And the family look at the older ones of your family and go, look, you can't cook like you used to. You ain't coming over for Thanksgiving. Huh? No. See, the family works like the kingdom of God. Can I tell you the kingdom is not a business? The kingdom is a family. And a family is inclusive. A family says, I know <laughs> Ooh, you've been rough. You've been hard to live with. But you family. And so come on in. God is saying, I'm, I'm inclusive. The kingdom of God is inclusive. If you've been trying to keep some people out of the kingdom, maybe you need to see if you can find a way to help them get in. The kingdom of God is Merciful. Last week, Pastor D preached that message. That was a good one. What's following you? What's following you? Yeah, goodness and mercy is following you. God is saying you don't want fair. You want goodness and mercy. What what you want is to know that you can find a way to get to Jesus. That Jesus will find a way to get to you. And you won't get what you deserve. That's why He was welcomed among the tax collectors and the harlots and the sinners. And it's why He wanted to go eat there. It's because He wanted them to know, I love you. I want you to be a part of this family. I I think that we're most like Christ when we're welcomed among the ones that most people want to see get what they deserve. And we're going and we're presenting mercy. He's merciful. He calls us the rain To fall on who? The just and the unjust. And there are times where that that offends us greatly. I'll tell you something real quick. Uh, We've been praying for a young lady. Her name is Deborah. Her mother and her mother-in-law sit on that back corner where Jimmy is this morning. Uh, Miss Betty and Miss Juanita. She had leukemia. And we've been praying for her and it turned and we thought things were getting better Last night at 1130, she passed away. Deborah's been in church for years. Had taken her, you know, some grandkids on and and just a beautiful, loving person. And it's in a moment like that that if you're not careful, you'd say, you know what? That ain't fair. That woman followed Christ, loved the Lord. That ain't fair. There's a bunch of uh, people in prison, murderers and rapists and stuff, and they don't ever get sick with leukemia, do they? You see where our mind can go? Pastor D preached a a funeral, was at a funeral this this weekend for a young girl who was, what, 16? 16 years old, dies in a car accident. It'd be easy to look and say, that ain't fair. That's not fair. But I tell you, we don't want fair. Because if you've ever done something wrong, If you've you've ever been that one who was way out in sin, what you wanted to know is that there was a prodigal father that was waiting for you to come home. If you've ever been that one where you thought it was at the last minute, it was too late for you, I want to remind you of a thief that hung on the cross beside Jesus. If you were to ask that thief, where were you all day long? It's five o'clock. He said, I've been out stealing. I've been out stealing. But I didn't get enough, so now I came to work. And you'd say, well, that ain't fair. And Jesus stopped in the middle of everything just because that undeserving thief on a cross looked at Jesus and said, you don't deserve this, essentially. Lord, will you remember me? That's all it took. That's all it took. Will you remember me? And this thief, who was at the, If it don't get any later than that... (laughs) Can I tell you, it doesn't get any later than the thief on the cross. If you think you've gone too far, if you think you've done too much, the thief on the cross ought to be your favorite character in the Bible because it don't get any later than that. And all he says is, will you remember me? And Jesus says something that's not fair. He says, today you will be with me in paradise. You see, God ain't fair. He's good. And that's better than fair. In fact, I don't care what we've all done. Are there any of us who's deserving? That's the point of the first shall be last and the last shall be first. It was brought up by the rich young ruler who looked at Jesus and said, what do I have to do to get eternal life? Jesus said, you need to sell everything. Come and follow me. And he went, oh, I can't do that. And so he left, and Jesus told him that because he wanted him to know that his affection was not for Jesus, it was for money. And he left. But then Peter looks at Jesus and he goes, oh, I got a question then. And the question I didn't tell you about before Jesus tells this parable is Peter has this question, he said, but but Jesus, we've left everything and followed you. So what's going to happen to us? Now, I don't know how he asked it. He could have asked it this way. Lord, we've left everything. Is it enough? Huh? Have have we done enough? Any of you ever do that? Have I done enough? God, have I done enough? Have I served enough? Read enough? Given enough? Have I done enough? Maybe he asked it that way. Or maybe Peter asked it this way. Jesus, we left everything. What's going to happen to us? (laughs) What? What you got for us? Because, you know, we're we not like him. We, we left everything. We've been in church our whole life. We, we give tithes and offering and we, We're good. What, what's going to happen to us? And Jesus comes over and stands in the middle and he says, you're both wrong. You're wrong because you think you somehow have to earn your way in and you don't earn your way in. I gift you in the kingdom. Yeah, I I gift you in by my goodness, not fairness, goodness. And over here, he says, it doesn't matter what you do. The more you do, the more offended you're going to become. And because you're not going to think it's fair, but nobody's fair because we all deserve way worse than we've ever gotten. And when Jesus hangs on that cross, can I tell you that at that moment when Jesus hangs on the cross, he is it's not fair. When he's hanging on the cross, it's not fair. He doesn't deserve to be there. I deserve to be there. I ain't going to talk about you. Because I don't know your business. All I know is he didn't need to be there. I was supposed to be there. But he says, son, I can't let you go. The judge gets down off the bench and he comes and he gives his life. Why? That ain't fair. Every time you look at Scripture or you look at your situations and you say God's not fair, look at the cross. You're right. He ain't fair. He's better than we ever deserved. He's better than we ever deserved. He took our sins. He made a new way. Where He looks at us and He says, salvation is a gift. Quit working for it and quit thinking that you did something to deserve it. And just receive it as a good gift from me. Hmm. And then I need to speak to the church for just a minute and then we're going to go. The church has been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Did you realize that? Yeah. Jesus said, I have given you the keys to the kingdom. What happens to a people who have been given the keys to the very literal kingdom of God? if they are like verse 21, and our eyes have become darkened. You see where I'm going with that? You ever tried to open a lock and there'd be no light outside? Yeah, you ever poked around, (laughs) huh, trying to get your key in a lock in your house when the light's not on, and it's like you got the key, the very thing that can get you in the door, and for whatever reason, you can't make it work. Is there anybody who says, I read that I have the keys to the kingdom, but I cannot make it work. I I can't seem to do what Jesus does. I would ask you, have your eyes become darkened? Because you've been wanting to live in a world that was fair. And you should be wanting to live in a world that's good. And if that's the case then, how much better would the world be if we've got people with keys who are going out into the world and they're not looking to make things fair, they're looking to be good. Even to people who don't deserve it. As Christians, we have such a hard time with that one. And I'm going to stay on it until hopefully I offend you out of it. Okay? I want to just offend the fool out of you today. Because it's foolish. Okay? We go out into the world and we think that because we serve a God who is holy, that justice has to occur. And so somehow we're supposed to punish all the evildoers. If that logic worked, the jailhouse would be the best place to reform people. Right? Send them to the jailhouse. And they'll punish them there. And that'll fix everybody. How many people has been getting fixed by going to jail? Do y'all know? Huh? I don't see people coming up to me going, Yep, I got it all sorted out at jail. <laughs> yep. As soon as they as soon as they started punishing me, righteousness just started boiling up inside of me. I, it's like I couldn't do anything about it. I was like just no, don't let me out. Give me more time. Give me more time. I need God to work on me more. You see, you gotta change your whole opinion about justice you got to change your whole opinion about justice. You see, we're looking for a day when people are going to get what they deserve. Mm. Can I tell you what God is preparing? God is preparing to do good for people that don't deserve it. That's what happens every time He forgives sin. Listen to me, don't get lost in this. Every time He forgives sin, justice is executed. Do you want real justice forgive somebody? You want real justice? Let it go. You want real justice? Go do something for somebody that doesn't deserve it. And then there's that part of you Satan's going to say, but if you do good for somebody who doesn't deserve it, then everybody's going to want something for something they don't deserve. Well, we've been trying to punish people a long time too, and that ain't working. So rather than have this mindset of justice, I want to ask you to embrace Something new. I'm going to leave the church with this one assignment. That Jesus would look at you and He would say, Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. What does that mean? Go do something nice for somebody that don't deserve it. Go and, go and show mercy for someone that the rest of the world is wanting to punish. Go and love on somebody that everybody else wants to keep at arm's length. You go love on them, and I will tell you, the kingdom of God will come, and it'll come in power. You know why? Because that's the heart of God. God ain't fair. He's good. You don't want Him to be fair. And the world needs Him to be good, too.